The American Battlefield Trust seeks to save land on the Franklin, Tennessee battlefield. This is just outside of Nashville. The battle took place on November 30th, 1864, and it is a very significant event in Civil War history. For every dollar that you donate to this effort, it will be matched by funds in the amount of $21.17. An awesome amount to match. Please log on to battlefields.org and make your donation to the American Battlefield Trust to save this hallowed ground. Shepherd University's Georgetown Moore Center for the Study of the Civil War and Department of History invite undergraduate students from across the country to come and spend a semester at their historic crossroads town of Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Their semester-long Civil War experience will immerse a select group of undergraduate students in collaborative learning, interpretive field experiences, digital humanities projects, public history programs, and a war and society approach to military history. For more information, please log on to shepherd.edu slash Civil War Semester. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tattooed Historian Show. My name's John. I am the Tattooed Historian, and this is going to be a great episode today. I have my friend Danielle Settlemeyer on the program, and she called in all the way from Bahrain. She was a co-worker of mine, and she's currently working at the Bahrain National Museum. She's been going through some fantastic things, some of it dating back thousands of years, and it has been amazing to see her photos uh, sent through my email and, and sent online on social media. She's been doing some great stuff. She, uh, she had some international experience before. She worked in the public history field uh, in New Zealand for a short time. She did some training in Italy. And now, obviously, she's in Bahrain learning some new things about the uh, history of that country and learning the culture and just enjoying herself over there. It's been fantastic to watch her uh, work through this sort of uh, public history in a Middle Eastern country, something different to see. So we called up and uh, I tried to call her through Skype first and then it kept uh, basically pushing me off. And then, uh, you know, we would try Facebook Messenger, and it would do the same thing. Finally, I think it was the fourth try. Uh, we just called each other on our phones to get this interview done. Uh, it took us an extra hour to get you some good sound through, but we, but I think we did it. I think we got it pretty well. She's a, she's a great person, and she has an amazing background, and she's looking to make her next step. I believe her internship there is over within the next month and she's looking to find her next step in this journey. Uh, but she's been doing some excellent work over there and getting a lot of cultural experience. And I really wanted to talk to her about her experience, but also the experience of public history on an international front, uh, working in a museum internationally, and what that's like, and what are some differences and similarities between what we do here in the United States in our public history programs. So we, we had a great discussion, a little over a half hour, uh, and uh, I was really happy to hear from her. I haven't talked to her uh, 
over phone or anything like that for some time. We just message each other from time to time. So it was good to hear her voice and know that she's doing well and uh, that uh, she's been enjoying the culture and the food and everything else about her journey. Uh, usually we would talk about food when we worked together. So we obviously spoke about food after this interview, and uh, it, was, it was a good time to speak with her. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, please share this podcast with your friends who are into history. Please subscribe. Please rate it. I just received word last week that this podcast on iTunes was on new and noteworthy for history podcasts. I, we had it listed up there. So that was a huge honor and such a, a you know tremendous thing for me to see. I never thought that we would be on that list and there we were and it's because you all listen in it's because you you vote on it uh, you rate it excuse me uh, and you share it and you subscribe to it and I'm so thankful for each and every one of you who listens week to week uh, who subscribes to it who shares it with your friends it means a great deal to me I think that we're uh, working on a, a project here that uh, has some legs to it and has a lot of life in it and it's something new for the history field as far as podcasting is concerned and some of the other events that I put on. Uh, if you go on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Tattooed Historian, you'll see some of the events that I put on and some of the live stream events that I do. You'll see that I'm trying to do something a little different and trying to reach a new audience. And it shows with being on New and Noteworthy on iTunes, uh, that was just a, a nice little thing to see and shows me that we're on the right track uh, and that you're enjoying the product and the project as a whole. So thank you all for that. It does mean a lot to me. I don't say that, you know, in an empty way. I mean that full force. I mean that wholeheartedly. Uh, you all are, are fantastic and, and thank you for listening in. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this international version of the Tattoo Historian show. Uh, so this was my phone call with my great friend, Danielle Settlemeyer, my former co-worker, all the way from Bahrain, talking about her time in the Bahrain National Museum. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tattoo Historian Show. Uh, I have a great guest on today, a great friend of mine who is now overseas once again, I think for your third time, right, Danielle? Um, third or fourth, yeah. As far as uh, doing an internship or history, history stuff. It's like okay, if you put a restriction on, it's the third time. Right, yeah. So uh, Danielle Settlemeyer is on with us today, and she worked with me for a little over a year, so you can give her all the pity that you want to give her. Uh, she was stuck with me in a, a room with no windows at our previous em employment, and uh, it was probably good that we didn't have any windows or anything like that because we would be putting up some memes and some other things, posting on the walls that probably would have gotten us written up. Uh, but you know, uh, shout out to Amy McPherson for not firing us for that. Uh, but we had a good time. We worked at, uh, we, we worked on a contract together for the Army Corps of Engineers where we worked in a, 
archival assessment project. Some of you may remember me talking about that. Danielle was one of my coworkers. And now she is overseas in Bahrain, enjoying the heat and uh, relative dry humidity, right? Uh, dry humidity is a kind assessment. Uh, we've <laughs> actually had rain here the last month, so it's been interesting. Oh, wow. And, well, that'll help. We've had snow here, so... Uh, I've never had rain that lets my car dirtier than when we started, so that was a new experience. <laughs> There's a new culture shock, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, Danielle works at the uh, Bahrain National Museum, and she's been sending me some awesome photographs, and I've been putting some of them up online for you all to check out. And uh, Danielle, do you want to give everyone a little bit of background about your uh, educational experience and public history experience before we move on? Sure. Um, I mean, you sure you can't use one of the first couple takes? Well, yeah, yeah. This is our, our to let everyone know. Uh, she she let the cat out of the bag. Uh, this is our fourth take, I think. At this, uh, we tried uh, different platforms to record, and it just wasn't working out too well. Uh, so we're going over just regular phone line now, and luckily she has an international card to to put in there and talk with us. So, yes, we're we're gonna see how this one goes, Danielle. Okay. You know, transparency in the museum world, right? That's true. Yes. Yes. I am an honest man. <laughs> so. Okay. So a little background on me. Um, I got my undergrad at Penn State in history. And while I was there, I decided I would take advantage of the study and work abroad programs that they had. So I ended up in New Zealand at the Museum of Wellington City and Sea. I was there for about three months, um, came back, got my degree decided I would go for my master's degree at Shippensburg. And right after I finished my master's degree, I found a conservation and preservation program in Italy called San Gemini Preservation. It's a great program, you know, a little shout out to them. And uh, worked with archeological ceramics while I was there and some 18th century manuscripts. So that was pretty cool. And the most recent adventure after our Corps of Engineers contract has landed me in the Middle East in Bahrain at the Bahrain National Museum. Yeah, and this was a great opportunity for you. And you actually uh, thought about this beforehand and and passed on it because of uh, working alongside me. You just couldn't leave me, right? Yeah, you. The, it was the entertainment value. Right. It was this dry humor that worked. <laughs> uh, but you did actually see it beforehand online, and you decided against it, and and then went back and applied later on, right? I did. The first time I saw it was about five or six months into the contract um, there at the Army Heritage Center. And as far as we knew, we had at least six months or another year left to go. So I decided to kind of hold off. And as luck would have it, I stumbled across it again on the Emerging Museum Professionals Facebook page. So there is to the networking. Um, and decided I would go for it. Since the contract was ending, I was I hadn't decided where I was going to end up after that and did a Skype interview last July. And the end of August, I found out that I had gotten the position and was headed over here in September. That's awesome. And a, and a big shout out to that site on Facebook, Emerging Museum Professionals. Uh, I know I was on there. I, I think I'm still on there. And that's where you found this. And any young uh, public historians or old public historians who are looking for something, uh, you know, a new step, hey, try that out. It, 
it can't can't hurt it's all networking like it like daniel said and um you know when when you were considering this this move what was one of the challenges for you personally with the move was it you know uh getting over any kind of cultural issues was it uh, just new environments i mean you've done a lot of international travel so you wouldn't be like throwing me into international travel international travel to me is canada that's international travel you're going to bahrain so uh what what was that like I think my greatest fear was honestly going to be the weather because I started doing some research and figured out where it was because honestly, when I applied, I had no idea where I was going. I had to look it up on Google Maps, um, <laughs> but after doing some research into it and trying to do some math as far as when I did my interview, when they thought they would bring me over and waiting to hear, I just kept praying that it was going to end up being over the winter and I really did luck out getting here. Uh, the 1st of October, and I'm staying through the end of March. So I've gotten the winter months, and it's been wonderful. There you go. I know that you are not a hot, hot weather fan. So <laughs> No. When no, I heard you were... here, it was, yeah. it was 100 degrees, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> right, what I get myself into. <laughs> uh, when, when you first arrived and, and got set up and everything, you know, what, what was that like? What was the logistics involved with that? You know, you had a, did you have a mentor basically helping you through this uh, to, you know, a boss who was like your lead on this effort? I do. Um, and he's been great. He has been my contact and the go-between uh, for the program between myself and the U.S. Embassy here. Uh, he was the one that kind of spearheaded this project. So it was his way of giving back to the community and trying to help some new young professionals uh, break into the, the museum world and get more experience. Mm -hmm. So he was the one who took me around and got me set up as far as a rental car and uh, phone service and making sure I had groceries my first night here and didn't end up sitting here like cold and hungry or hot and hungry, I guess. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely not gonna be cold and cold and hungry in, in Bahrain <laughs> uh, compared to what we got here. Uh, but that's that's fantastic, and that's opened up a new networking opportunity for you too, right? He he knows other people who could help you advance your craft or advance to the next step. Correct. Um, so he did his program and ended up working in Texas for a while. I'm not gonna name drop any museums there, but. So he's done a lot of work in the States and kind of bopped around there a little bit. And uh, he, I believe, was in Korea and taught English there. And uh, after he finished his program in the States, came here and started working at the museum. And he's just shy of his three-year anniversary right now. Wow, that's awesome. And so he's got a lot of background involved in that. And he's helping you along with this whole effort. What what uh, kind of objects and artifacts have you been working with at, the, at this museum? So I am working with the archeological collections here, which is really an amazing opportunity. Um, most of the collection uh, is Dillman area, era. So that's about uh, four and a half thousand years old. Wow. Um, so most of the objects I'm working with are between four, uh, sorry, two and four and a half thousand years old. Wow. Uh, a lot of uh, anywhere from tiny little pieces that fit in the palm of your hand 
to giant pieces that are the size of your torso. And there's some glass pieces in the collection as well that are beautiful. We have a beautiful fish um, glass vessel and what the area is really known for and is kind of a pride and joy uh, is pretty specific to this region. They are stamp seals. So there have been a couple different rotations of a stamp seal collection here. And these are basically um, a trader's mark or a way to sign paperwork uh, for trade in the area. Okay, so it's kind of like what, what we had back in the 18th century with a nobleman yeah, having, like, so having like the, a stamp. Yeah, the, like the wax seal, you'd put your stamp in it. That's basically what they were doing, only they used soft clay mm. and used the stamp to make their mark in the clay. Oh, it's very cool. I never never heard of that. That's that's new. Uh, with the with the whole uh, museum itself, when was it begun? When was it constructed? So the museum was constructed and opened uh, in the mid nineteen eighties. So it's a very modern, very straight line, clean edge design. Um, and we've been working. We just kind of had the 30th anniversary and did a special exhibit for that. Um, but that also comes with the recognition that we need to do some updates on it. So that's the last, I believe five years, they've been doing some structural and some um, technical updates. And in the last three years, since my supervisor has been here, he's been working as the museum registrar mm -hmm. and the collections manager. So that's a lot of updating a whole new database system. Um, it's it's a pretty big deal and it's a pretty big undertaking. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And with with you dealing with all these antiquities and uh, different artifacts and everything, what has been the one thing that's like caught your eye, the, the object or the artifact or the exhibit, which is like, wow, I can't believe this is a thing. This is amazing. As far as the museum owned pieces, um, they kind of make fun of me because I have a soft spot for the little tiny jars um, <laughs> just because they're adorable. But honestly, the my favorite exhibit that we have right now is a loan exhibit from Saudi Arabia. And it came in with a couple fellows from India. So it's a very international mm -hmm. uh, effort. Um, the mounting team is a mounting team from France. Our curator for it, um, there was a French team that came in, as well as another gentleman, and I forget where he was from. But this exhibit is really special. It's more modern pieces, so usually 20th century pieces. And I've sent you some of those pictures, so if people want to check that out, they can hop over to your Facebook and Instagram. But this collection is jewelry pieces, head pieces, and burqas um, in the very traditional style from Saudi Arabia. So that was, it was a new thing for me to handle, but it was also kind of a new uh, cultural thing for me to try to understand and to try to get my Western mind wrapped around. Right. And I would, I would think for me personally, that would be uh, one of the bigger challenges because I've only ever known quote the Western world. Uh, you know, when I, when I heard you were going to Bahrain, it was like, wow, that's a, that might be a big culture shock. Uh, but, but you've been really, while you've been there, you've not only been working with the public history out 
outlet. You've also been working with understanding the culture and, and getting involved in cultural events. And uh, you've been basically rubbing elbows with some of the, the people in that area going to some shows, right? Going to some orchestra shows and stuff like that. Definitely. So not only do we have a couple member members of the royal family like working at the museum, so the director of the museum is a member of the royal family, but also the big events. I've gotten some special invitations to open houses at the U.S. ambassador's home here for the holidays and for um, special artist exhibits that they had, as well as some big international shows and um, cultural events that they have at the cultural hall, as well as the National Theater, which are both right by the museum. So that's been a great opportunity to try to get exposure to more traditional music from the area and to see different performances. Mm -hmm. um, tomorrow, we get to go to an international ballet that's coming here. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and being involved with the local population and, and culture is important to any uh, public historian because public is part of the the narrative. Uh, you gotta you gotta know your public and you gotta know who you're who you're trying to speak to. And it's uh, I've been seeing some of your posts online. It's been a pretty awesome experience for you. And uh, with with dealing with new cultural norms, what has been the one thing that you've tried different than you would have you know back home? What's one thing that you've really enjoyed doing? Uh, I think being here for only six months, and I mean, it sounds kind of like a long time, um, but it, it really doesn't end up being that long. So I've taken every opportunity I could to go do some tourist things. So check out um, Kalat al-Bahrain, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site here in Bahrain. It's an old fort that they have done multiple excavations on. And we have a lot of pieces in the collection from there. Um, there's also um, a center that has a huge collection of Qurans. So from all different eras, there is nearly a thousand years worth of Qurans there. So that's, that's really exciting to just see the traditional aspect. Um, and yesterday, I finally made it to the Grand Mosque here in Manama. And it was my first time that um, they asked me to wear an abaya. So that was, that was interesting. I had a little issue kind of getting it on. I had it on backwards and getting this, <laughs> the headscarf and stuff on correctly was, it was a learning experience. Right. That's, that sounds awesome though. That sounds like an amazing experience. <laughs> what, um, when you have gone through the different systems, you've you've been to New Zealand in the in the field, you've been to Italy in the field, now you've been to Bahrain in the field. Uh, are there some similarities that you see between uh, the way we do it in the United States and the way they do it in Bahrain, or are there you know major differences in how they do public history and how they do maybe even just showcasing artifacts is totally different, or is it relatively similar? Um, I think the focus here is a little bit different. So not to be controversial, but saying that the Western world does end up kind of colonial with their exhibits, with some of the collections, the museums, it all kind of seems 
out of the norm. So even Native American exhibits don't necessarily feel like, oh, this is our heritage because the U.S. is such an immigrant population. Mm-hmm. Um, everything kind of feels a little other. Is that too right. too much to say? No, I understand. What, <laughs> I understand what you mean. Yeah, um, and definitely other places in Europe because of their history, because of their colonial nature, it's it's definitely a different um, style as far as showcasing what is in their collections here, especially with the collection that I'm working with on the archaeological side, everything has been excavated here on the island. Nothing has been brought in from outside. Nothing has been, um, it's all, it's all been here for thousands of years. It's all developed here. Uh, Granted, some of it might've come in on trade, but it came in on trade 3000 years ago. So this is all, it's all pride in their local collections. It's all trying to put forward their local history, their, their long history. Hmm. So that, that has been, that's been a major difference for me. It's, also, yeah. learning a little bit behind the scenes, it has definitely been a learning experience, and this has forced me to become a little bit more adaptive, a little bit more free thinking, because Gaylord Archival, which is a big, big supplier for museums and museum supplies, Europe, the US, even in New Zealand while I was there, it's readily accessible here the shipping costs are prohibitive. So we had to go with some outside sources. We even tried plastic sniffing at one point to see if we could get something that was uh, what we needed. And that ended up with us stewing plastic bags with vegetable oil in a pot, and that didn't end well. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds. We did have a chemical bud, so that was good. Wow, that I never thought of that. You know, we're, we've grown up around Gaylord and stuff in archives. Never think about well, what happens if you're in a place where you can't get that. Yeah, so I've ended up learning chemical composition a little bit while I was here, and uh, you know what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable, and it's it's been interesting. I usually, if it's something new, if I want to make a suggestion, if it's something I ask if we can get, like even museum putty for mounting small objects like we're going to be installing a new stamp seal exhibit Mm -hmm. that is something that we can kind of order in regularly that's something we got on amazon and ordered um so it's it's been an interesting experience and i usually kind of look over at my supervisor and i was like so can we get this here (laughs) (laughs) right yeah you don't you don't know we don't I never even considered that. That's something that we take for granted every every day in the field. And to think that you're in a location where you can't take that for granted. But learning these different, uh, uh, you know, ways of trying to get around that could help you in the future if you go into the conservation end of it. You know, you're you're trying to literally cook up ideas to make this stuff work plastic bags anymore i'm done with that <laughs> yeah, yeah you're going like full-on breaking bad here okay trying <laughs> trying to figure out how you can do this it's it's amazing uh but you've you've done a lot of work in preservation in in italy and you've and you've done some work there is that something that you're passionate about you think you might pursue in the future 
I think I would like to. Um, I'm definitely looking for an opportunity that's more bench training at this point because I'm not quite ready to go back and get another master's or a doctorate in preservation or conservation at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm not totally ruling it out, but bench training would be kind of an amazing thing. I did get to spend a month at the uh, Army Heritage Center at the Conservation Lab working with the wonderful conservators there and with another intern who is actually almost done with her master's in conservation. She's doing that in England. Uh, so that was, a, that was a great chance to work on a scrapbook that they had, gigantic scrapbook that was about 80 pounds wow. from the 1890s. Wow, that's awesome. And, and you're, we're talking about stuff from the 1890s and 1900s here at home, and you're working with artifacts that are 4,000 years old now. Uh, yeah. It's quite, quite a jump, you know, from when we were like, wow, this is awesome. This is from the Civil War. And now you're like, yeah, I'm working with stuff that's 4,000 years old now. Yeah, and that was part of the, uh, the conservation stuff I did in Italy as well. The piece I had was about 2,500 years old, so it was about 500 B.C., Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a little bit of exposure to it, but right. this is definitely um, quite remarkable. There's more than 20,000 objects in the collection. I believe um, there's just over 10,000 registered archaeological pieces in the collection that have been cleaned and kind of uh, brought into the database. Um, and they are continually working on archaeological digs and sites here on the island each each year there's a new season and the archaeologists go out and uh, excavate in a new a new pit a new site you know if they decide to change sites or wherever Um, and also since the island is developing so quickly like the the land mass here is changing so fast that whenever they do new construction for buildings an archaeological uh, survey is part of the requirement, or that's my understanding. It's part of the requirement before construction can begin. Hmm. So that was that was a big thing this past summer and fall. Um, they had a really time-sensitive dig that they had done. So that was kind of interesting. They had ramped up the number of archaeologists and gotten everybody out there to work on it and uh now things are kind of coming into the museum and we get to see them but always you seem like the work keeps coming and you you never quite seem to catch up right and and Bahrain as a whole has has grown exponentially in the last 20 30 years and if they're excavating you know all this stuff to preserve it so it's not built over I'm sure there's quite a flow of of stuff coming in. I mean, I know uh, I read that Manama has has grown exponentially in the last ten years, and I can just imagine how much stuff is coming in to the National Museum. Yeah, and that growth also is in landmass. So they are actually reclaiming some of the um, the island that's been kind of overtaken by or eroded by the ocean. So they're they're actually reclaiming landmass and building out. Wow. That's that's a growing population right there, if that's happening. It wow. is. And about half of it is uh, immigrant population. I believe the last time I checked numbers, it was about 53% Bahraini and 47% expats and um, immigration into the island, be it Southeast mm-hmm. Asia or from other GCC countries or um, North America mm-hmm. or Britain. 
So they kind of come from all over. It's been an interesting mix to see everybody here. One of the first questions you get uh, whenever you get here and meet somebody new is, so how long have you been in Bahrain? Huh. Wow. So that's even a culture shock. You it know, is. You know, that's that's incredible. And you have about another month there. What are you looking forward to doing in the next month? So the big event coming up in the next month is the Spring of Culture that uh, BACA, so the Bahrain Antiquities and Cultural Administration is doing, is called Spring of Culture. They bring in performers and musicians and uh, different shows from all over the world. There's a Korean drum um, group that's going to be here in March. There's a saxophone quartet, I believe. I'm not sure where they're from. There's uh, an Italian mandolin quartet that's going to be here in about two weeks. Wow. And there's an international ballet that's going to be here tomorrow. So it's, it's a bit of everything. Yeah, it seems like an artistic hub where you're at. Uh, it is. And that's part of the goal of the government and the royal family right now is just kind of promote promote arts and culture and show that, you know, Bahrain is somewhere that people can visit, that it's not inaccessible, which is something I learned on arrival. I mean, I was scared. I was kind of hesitant about coming here and I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, I'm going to end up in the Middle East. What is this going to be? And I had questions to my supervisor during the interview and I was like, so what, how am I expected to dress? And um, are there going to be any problems as far as the religion, since it is majority Muslim? And it really, none of that has been an issue. Hmm. I mean, I am conscious to not wear anything too crazy and not too revealing, but you see people wearing anything and everything, and it's not a big deal. Wow. Yeah, so that, that hasn't been uh, too much of a, a change for you like you thought it would be no um it has been a really cool opportunity with the, the saudi exhibit they came in with the jewelry and the headpieces and stuff um that was kind of a, a good spark to get a conversation started about understanding um how women choose to cover or not cover uh men wearing traditional like the thobe or to wear Western clothes or, you know, whatever they choose to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it's definitely personal choice here. Uh, one of the ladies that I work with, she used to just wear the hijab. And um, at one point it was just kind of a change. She's now wearing a niqab. So I, that's all I've known her as. And she is a tiny little powerhouse. Like she is one of those, secretaries and she's got every everybody locked in mm. so it's not like she's, she's not a shrinking violet and i it's definitely not quite what you would expect with a western mindset um so it's definitely a personal choice uh, and sometimes kind of identity comes into the conversation but it's not something that i've really breached a lot mm-hmm how how has this experience been different than uh, your other public history experience? What have you learned something uh, new through this process that was different than the processes you learned in Italy or New Zealand? Uh, I know you learned much more with this than you did talking to me every day. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, okay, much more career oriented, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. How's this um, how has this affected you for your future goals? In other words. I think it definitely opened my mind up culturally. I mean, it doesn't it's not weird to me to see people dressed Western dress in the niqab in hijab, or if they decide to change it up, whatever. I've gotten a chance to wear an abaya and, uh, but definitely adaptability has come in and learning to work with um, groups that are more international. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the places I've worked before have done most of their exhibits, most of the setup, most of the planning and research all in house um, here. The staff is actually pretty small, and if they do big exhibits, like the loan exhibit from Saudi, they bring in outside curators, and a lot of times they kind of work with the same ones um, on new exhibits, and so they they build up a rapport, they build up a working history, and so it's, it's definitely been an education in learning to collaborate with lots of different people, so that's been fun. Right. That's definitely something that will come in handy in the future. I mean, you're you're doing collaboration from uh, the traditional public history aspect. I'm doing collaboration from a media history aspect, and it's so important with networking and with working together to understand what each side wants out of this entire finished product. And you've been doing it on an international scale, which is uh, you know much harder than what I'm doing. Uh, my international scale is trying to get our Skype hookup to work, uh, you know, which I <laughs> failed, which I failed miserably at. Uh, but um, it's been, you know, really cool to see what you've been doing over there and the places you've been. Uh, what's one place that when you leave there that you're really going to miss? Um, oh, boy. Yeah, see, it's a question here. Museum. Yeah, yeah, that's the I right mean, answer. Museum, really, <laughs> I really enjoy everybody that I work with. It's been mm-hmm. fun kind of getting to know everybody. Um, I've met some families of the different folks that I work with and just getting to know their backstory and being able to talk with them and kind of find out and collaborate with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can understand that. It's uh, it's one of those things where you're getting such a great experience internationally and it would be, you know, it's a shame to see it end, but yet you're hopefully going to have a lot more steps in your process to uh, to utilize all this background. And uh, you're becoming an international force to be reckoned with here. Uh, you know, you've been everywhere and been doing so much. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who uh, are envious of, of what you're doing. Uh you know, are you are you planning right now as far as the next step? Are you planning on coming back to the states, or do you want to try something else internationally? What What are your thoughts? I think right now I'm going to end up coming back to the states just to kind of hit home base and do some more planning. Um, it's a little bit hard to kind of go on the fly and not not know where I'm going to end up. Right, I, that is true. That is true. But I, uh, I'm really looking forward to posting more photos that you sent. And I know a lot of my listeners uh, uh, like the photos so far. I've, I've, Danielle sent me a couple more, so I need to put those on. Uh, and it's just been a, a, a cool thing to watch you, you know, through this entire process, watch your photos pop up and seeing what you've been experiencing. It's been a, a great thing to see from afar as a former coworker of yours uh, to, to see what you're doing and know that, 
you're still handling a lot of history and you're going to be able to bring that home, uh, that experience and be able to help uh, others understand and maybe even do some mentoring because you would be an awesome mentor for a lot of my listeners who are uh, young college students who who want to get into preservation or want to get into public history. Uh, You've got so much to, to bring back. Uh, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, or travel. I want to encourage everybody to travel. Um, this has definitely been a new opportunity for me to understand another part of the world that I had no understanding with before. I mean, I had to look up where I was going on Google Maps after I applied. So That's very American of you. Uh, that's, what yeah. we, that's what we do, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, when when I knew when I heard you were going to Bahrain, it was a it was a shock for me, you know. And I can't imagine the, you know, the the culture shock it was for you when you first started thinking about it. And then when you got there, it was like you just hit the ground running, which has been awesome. Yeah, uh, and I, I I know the response I got from friends and family when I told them where I was going and had to explain where it was on the map. And uh, I I really want to say that. Sometimes we get some shock and awe reports back in the U.S., and it's not always true. I've had no problems while being here, and I I really do want to encourage people to expand your horizons and step out of your comfort zone, uh, meet new people, learn new things, go new places. It's totally worth it. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, and, uh, you know, you're a great person to, to talk about that stuff because you've done it more than I have. Uh, and, uh, I, I can't agree more with that, but I'm so appreciative of your time, Danielle. I know I've taken up an extra hour of your time because we had these, this thing <laughs> set up. Uh, but any, any other last words for, for my listeners, or do you want to, uh, uh, leave it at that main focus of, you know, go out and travel and get out of your comfort zone a little bit? I think I'll leave with that. It's a pretty good message. It is a good message and it will resonate with some people and it, you know, it, it, it helps all of us to try to understand the world around us. So uh, I hope your last month at uh, the Bahrain National Museum is awesome. I know you're going to get to uh, do a few more cool events there and get to witness some more things. I hope you post a lot more photos online. I'll be sharing them. Uh, but um, I'll make sure I'll get some up for you. And we have a new exhibit going in tomorrow, hopefully. So that's that's pretty exciting, too. That's awesome. That is great. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad you've had a great experience over there and so happy for your progress uh, as far as that's concerned. But I do thank you for uh, your patience with this, with, with our little uh, hiccup here <laughs> recording. Uh, you know, it's, this happens. And a lot of you out there in the history field know that sometimes we're not uh, good with electronics from time to time. And, uh, you know, we're historians. So uh, but I'm glad that uh, that I could speak with you without any interruptions this time, Danielle. And it's been it's been great. Well, it's been fun being on, and it's been a great opportunity to kind of share a little bit more about what I've gotten to do behind the scenes. You don't, you kind of get the a gilded picture whenever you just put pictures up. That is true. That is true. It makes me want to to travel more when I see those photos because I would love to see some of this stuff in person. It would be fantastic. Uh, it's definitely worth it. I'm not going to lie. Some of the traffic is interesting. Um, there's a lot more car horn used here, but that's part of the cultural experience too. It's definitely, definitely worth seeing everything and just sucking it up and driving. People are going to honk at you. It's not going to matter. 
That's yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> adapt and overcome. But yeah. uh, but thank you again, Danielle, for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's been fun. All right, thank you all for listening. <laughs>